sweet. I'm, uh, I'm excited to talk tonight. I thought I was talking last week, um, but I didn't. So, long story. <laughs> um, but tonight, I'm going to talk about women. No. No. Um, I'm going to be a, a brief aside, and off we'll go back to te- ta- teaching about women, talking about women, um, next week, I think. But anyway, um, I get to speak s- rare enough that when I do speak, it's usually something that I'm personally like excited about. Like Usually, after I speak, the next couple weeks are actually me trying to live out my talk because it's actually like the, the very thing that I'm most excited about. And so, um, I feel like tonight is a continuation of what God's been teaching me about how I was designed to understand him. Um, my pursuit of God has brought me to a desire for revelation. I feel like um, I, I, when I come to God, I have all of these things that I want to ask for, and I'll ask for this and I'll ask for that, and I, at one point I just got tired of asking for things in prayer. Um, and so I said, well, like, if there was one thing, like, I just want one thing I can ask for, that way I can spend the rest of our time just talking about stuff that's interesting. Instead of me just like, I need this and I need that, I'd like one thing that I could just ask for that would cover everything else. And that's where I, I began to ask God for revelation. It was basically out of like the desire for a sh- efficient prayer. Um, but actually, the more I realized it, um, the more I know about God's love for me, the more revelation I get about that love, um, the less I struggle with insecurities, with fears, self-loathing, um, and just trusting God in general, the more I understand God's love for people, the more I tend to love people. Um, the more I truly understand how much God has actually finished the work. Like, his, what he did on the cross was good enough. Um, the less I try to, I spend my time striving and trying to be a good Christian, and I just actually relax and do the good things he's called me to do. Um, so I feel like revelation is the key to a focused life, but for a lot of us, we talk about this word revelation, and I'm so thankful that it's like become a part of Epic Life's culture, but there are lots of people, who it, it can be, a th- you can have revelation and yet have a fruitless life. Um, and so really what I want to talk about is just how can we go from the, the revelation of God to actually like a life that's changed. Um, and so I'm really excited about this uh, this first passage, or first couple passages, because it, God actually walked me through it in a really interesting way, and it's one of those ways where you can't really describe it, but it's awesome. So, um, if you have your Bibles, uh, turn to Hebrews 5 and 1 Corinthians 3. Um, they're going to be up front for the lazy folks, and the people with no Bibles, and the ones who look it up on the cell phone, but really they don't look it up. They just say they have a Bible cell phone. Um, so, Yeah. I read these two verses during one of my quiet times, and then God actually redefined what I thought about it. So, for th- though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are full of age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So I read that, and it talks about milk, and it talks about solid food, and and all I get from that when I'm doing my quiet time at, like, way too early is solid food's good, milk's bad, I'll ask for solid food, and then I want to leave for work. Like, I checked my, my Bible box. But in reality, like, there's more to it than that. And, but this week, I read that, and then I read 1 Corinthians 3. And I'm going to stop looking this way, just because it makes no sense. Um, 
So 1 Corinthians 3, I'm going to trust that it's behind me. Uh, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food. For until now, you were not able to receive it. And even now, you are still not able. For you are still carnal. For when there, where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? So I read that as well the same day, and I was like, yeah, like I definitely want solid food now. Um, and so I read those, and, and the Bible says, ask anything in my name according to my word, and it will be done. And I thought, well, all right, in Jesus' name, solid food. And then I left for work. Um, and, but this is the like, awesome God thing that you try and describe, but it doesn't do God justice because he's doing this with billions of people across the world simultaneously. Um, it, I turn on the radio, NPR, nerdy, and I think to myself, and I think I'm just going like, to listen to the news and get to work. But they had this awesome story about breastfeeding. And I was like, sweet, breastfeeding, turn it up. Because it's the morning, I'm tired, I don't know. But... <laughs> What I realized was I'm listening to the story and what was happening, and I'm going to reduce it down to almost nothing, but um, there were all these, there's all these women who lives are busy, d- uh, doctors say this, and the news says this, and they're just so caught up in like the newfound, um, I don't know, baby stuff, that instead of doing the prescribed and like old school breastfeed until a certain amount of time, they're switching to, uh, what is that? Formula. See, I'm not good at this. Uh, like way too early, and it's like actually having an impact, a discernible impact on the development of the babies. And immediately God says, you see, milk's not so bad. And then he reminded me of this verse, and I mean, if he had said that, I would have been like, oh, okay. And I wouldn't, it wouldn't have mattered that much. But the way that I receive God's word, I, I like literally need like a Bible verse to um, bring it home. And so he, he reminded me of 1 Peter 2, 2. And the cool thing about this is uh, one of the things, one of the roles of the Holy Spirit is it says he will remind you of all the things that I have said, Jesus. So it's cool that when you, I didn't memorize the scripture, I just read it one day and the Holy Spirit popped it up. Um, but it says, laying aside all malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. And, and I thought, well, that's different, but that's also awesome. Um, and I just remember, I just started musing on the like development and milk and whether it's necessary. And so I asked God, and I, I try to like take Bible verses and then ask God about how they apply. And so I said, well, what then is milk. Like if, if Paul sometimes treats it like it's kind of disdainful, like, well, what's milk? And he says very quickly, like this all happens in like three minutes on the way to work. But he says, for you, son, it's identity. It's the finished work of Jesus. It's rest. And I, it was cool because that's all the things I had been reading. Like I, I gravitate, I've been reading Ephesians now for far too long. And whenever Knopf talks about Ephesians, he's like, ah, Sean, like I'm some sort of Ephesians guru. I actually just get like fixated on something and it's embarrassing. But in reality, um, Ephesians is dope because, dope? Uh, It's cool because, uh, it's been a while. It's cool because it's, um, it's the only book in the Bible that has like no word of correction. Like it's not about like correcting whatever the, the, the church of Ephesus, There's, it's full of identity. I mean, it says we are chosen, adopted, 
predestined, accepted, uh, in the beloved. Like it just goes through all of these different things that we are. And then it talks about revelation and rest and fine. And, and it just really like, um, it's a really formative book for me. But the cool thing is that as I'm reading these things, I'm, I'm uh, how many of you guys were here when I spoke last time about uh, my testa message, preacher money? People. And uh, these people mostly. Um, but the cool thing is that, that my preacher money, my, my testimony of what God's been teaching me like in the near time um, is based out of like that place of rest. Like God's been bringing me out of things. Um, but so I've been, I've been kind of going through the milk and it's actually been helping me develop. I spent most of my college years, I was the exact same. Like I wasn't changing at all because I wasn't growing. I didn't have much milk. Um, and the cool thing is, what he actually said is, for you, son, um, it is this, this, and this. And I, remember I started to think about, like, he's very specific with his words. And when he says, for you, um, it made me think, well, then, is it different for other people? And, um, and then I looked at these, the, two, the first two verses, Hebrews and 1 Corinthians. And he's, after he says, I, had to teach, I have to give you milk again, the, he actually teaches very different, like the books are very different. The first one, when he says, I need to give you milk again, he teaches about Jesus, the high priest, how Jesus' sacrifice and ministry are like in the context of the Old Testament. And he was doing that because a lot of the, the people in Hebrews at the time or reading Hebrews, were Jewish people who had converted to Christianity. And so a lot of what they were coming against was this, this like argumentative, you know, convert back to Ju- Judaism. And so he was like addressing like what should be the very like foundation of their faith, which is that Jesus is all that they need. Um, but if you look at 1 Corinthians, like after bemoaning milk again, he says... He talks about unity and spiritual gifts. And so I, I began to like think about the fact that, that milk, like this, the, 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 what's necessary to grow people in the word is different. Um, and even thinking about like a new believer, um, quite often I, I've had friends who've come to Christ and they'll tell me about like the things they've done and, and where they've been and, um, and they just have this like heavy sense of like they're not worthy. And for them, the milk would be just understanding God's grace, forgiveness, love. I mean, they, they, you, you get a Christian who had his entire life, his father's beaten him. He's, he doesn't need to know about uh, some high and mighty Christian doctrines. He needs to just know that God the Father loves him, sent his son, like that, that the father is just as loving as the son. Um, so the, the milk is, is kind of like a, a, a very unique thing. And for me, like church boy, I've been in church most of my life um, and unchanged, but like to get me out of my religious box checking, just trying to look good, um, I needed to understand like how finished Christ's work was. Like it's absolutely finished. Like I can't make myself more righteous. I needed to understand um, just uh, kind of what I described before, like all the different things that God had been bringing me out of. But for me also, I had to, to learn to like smell spoiled milk because for most of my life, uh, the Bible had actually been used against me to like bring me into bondage and just um, convicting me to a point where I like had no confidence before God. And really the milk of the word has to grow us each to a place of maturity, the proud, the orphan, 
the fearful, the quote-unquote wisdomless, the not-so-good. You get the point. Every person has like a very specific um, milk that they need. But the good news is you don't need to milk a cow or spend the weekend kind of creating your own formula. It says in the Bible that the whole, that's one of the goals of the Holy Spirit, like one of the roles of the Holy Spirit. I mean, we often say, Holy Spirit, the comforter. And so you only go to him when you're uncomforted. Um, I didn't say that right, but uncomfortable? Yeah. But the fact is that he's more than just a feel-good, uh, I don't know, spirit within. He is your teacher. Um, 1 John 2.24, I'm not, it's not up there, but it says, you have no need that you have a teacher for the anointing that abides in you will teach all things. And I mean, that's the coolest thing ever because uh, the Bible in itself um, just by itself. Like, I spent most of my life reading it, um, but I didn't get squat out of it until I actually started, like, opening the Bible and going, Holy Spirit, God, I, I pray that you would teach me something that I didn't know. Make it applicable. Bring revelation that would produce fruit. And suddenly, I started having life change. And really, the good news of this idea that um, everyone needs some level of milk in their lives is that... Um, God is, like, not just excited, but it, all throughout the Bible, it says that, like, it's his goal to develop you. And I feel like most Christians, especially in, like, Western church, they, they get the, uh, you know, the church says, Jesus died for your sins, and they're so like, dope, like, I'm ready to go. And then they go, I'll take it from here. And then they start working on, like, look, I'm walking away from the podium. <laughs> I usually stick. But anyway... The, the thing is that, uh, that we, we try to do it on our own. And, um, but the, in actuality, it says that he is the author and the finisher of our faith. Like, he didn't just birth you into Christianity. He birthed you in, and he's going to finish your faith. He's going to bring it to perfection. He's going to change who you are. And as long as you're trying to finish your faith, it's going to be a disastrous thing. Like, it's just going to get tiring and old. Um, and I think that there are a lot of people who, they get uh, kind of disappointed with where their spiritual life's at, um, and they, they begin to get kind of stagnant, and their faith gets challenged, and you see them three years later, and they're just not really walking with the Lord. And what happened was they became a Christian, and they, they, but they decided, okay, I'm going to try and develop myself. Or they just tried to go straight to solid food, or they skipped whatever the, the teaching of the Holy Spirit that would produce like a, a base um, faith. And then they, they end up with no fruit and they open themselves up to just a lot of attack because Satan can say, look at your life. It doesn't look anything like all the people around you. And uh, we were at the, I'm gonna have a shameless plug for the men's Bible study, but um, we're all sitting around and we're, uh, we're talking about like how it says that uh, Jesus says, I am the vine and my father is the vine dresser. Everybody was like, yeah, I want to be in the vine. And then that's like pretty much, no one knows what a vine dresser is. So we just kind of skip over it and go to the next thing we understand. But in reality, the, the coolest part is not actually that Jesus is the vine dresser, but that God is the vine, that Jesus is the vine, but that God is the vine dresser. Because in like olden days, um, the vine dresser was this creepy old man who wore a beard and lived with the vines like in a shack on the hill. And his goal was to feed the vine, uh, prune the vine, uh, water, make sure that everything was like just right in order to produce fruit. 
And at the end of the season, when it was time to harvest, if there was no fruit, you go to the vine dresser and you like, he's held accountable for the lack of fruit. And I feel like Christianity so much has been about, do you have fruit? If it's, there's no fruit, then it's your fault. And in reality, like, God actually says, like, I'm, I'm your vine dresser. I want to produce fruit in your life. Um, and I actually find that, like, incredibly, uh, like, hope-inspiring, that I don't have to do it on my own, that, that um, it's not all about my effort and my doing and my uh, just being. Like, it, it, that my relationship with God is where I'm going to find my fruit. And really, that's, that's kind of the point of all of those verses. Um, but we do want to get to a place where we... Um, are taking in solid food. And my favorite verse ever, um, especially in Jeremiah, is Jeremiah 33, three. Um, and it says, it's God speaking and he says, come to me, oh, what is it? Call to me, yeah, come to me didn't sound right. Call to me and I will answer you and I will go show you great and mighty things which you do not know. And that's really like his heart for us. Come, call to me and I will answer you. And I'll show you great and mighty. And, and the word mighty there can also be translated inaccessible. So he says, call to me and I'll answer you and I'll show you great and inaccessible things which you do not know. It's amazing. I mean, we get to Bible study and we can talk about things we understand. But we want to get to the place and we want to be so rooted in, um, so built up by the milk of the word and so like lifted up by what the Holy Spirit's saying that we actually do get to the place where we're learning these things that like, Honestly, people are afraid to talk about you. You listen to Knopf's preaching, and it's gotten to like a new level. It's it's amazing, and it's because he's been he's been in the Word so long. I mean, everybody wants to be that guy, but I mean, every morning he gets up, and he he's not reading chapter upon chapter upon chapter. He just pulls one verse and under like asks the Holy Spirit, "What does this mean?" And the next day he goes to one more. And he's just slowly trudging through this, the scriptures with the Holy Spirit. And, and he's getting to the place now where he, God's showing him things that, you know, every week we're like, I've never thought of that. And it's like, no, it's not just because he's Knopf, um, ultra, entrepreneur, CEO man. It's because, it's not like God loves him more than us. It's just that he's understood that if I get the milk, if I learn to listen to the Holy Spirit, not just in day-to-day life, like we're, we're getting to the point now where we can, I can feel the Holy Spirit while I'm doing things, say, son, do this, go that way. I can, but I want to get to the place where he's actually like unraveling the scriptures and it's very biblical. Like that's one of the things he desires to do. Um, but as I, as I began, um, Revelation just with, without any, like milk even, without any um, like fruit is a very possible outcome. Um, do you, you guys, this is for, most, for the most part like a quote unquote college group, uh, even though everybody, like there are a lot of old people. Uh, but the truth is uh, that everybody knows what it's like. You take a test immediately forget everything you, you tested on. Like that's happened to everyone that's ever been to college. That and procrastination and yeah, all of that. But my brother is like, uh, he's like Sean 2.0. Like if I can do something, he can do it twice as good with half the energy and he doesn't sweat at all. And, uh, 
he's, he's taking these engineering classes, and the way, it's, it's nuts the way it happens. He takes class A, and then class B assumes, having finished A, that everything you learned is now absolutely known and understood. And it builds on that. And so you take class C, and both of those classes are expected to just be known. So like, he takes calculus 17, and then he goes to calculus 18, and it's not just like, okay, let's start something new. They expect him to know and just be an expert at all that. And so he's like, he's a junior now, and he's telling me like, it's so hard. I'm working like crazy. I'm just barely getting Bs. Like, I feel like I can't make it. And I said like, Dude, it's either it's going to get worse and worse and worse until you give up or you graduate. And it's like, it's absolutely true. Yeah, I'm like the downer brother because I know he's better than me. Um, but it, I think for the Christian, like in our Christian walk, what happens is we get a revelation. And we go, dope. And then we, we like go off on our lives and we'll, we'll get distracted by something or... Um, something will happen and we'll just kind of forget it and then just move on to the next thing. And for some reason, like, uh, well, not for some reason, God's gracious. So he just keeps talking to you. Um, But I really want to get to the place where I get a revelation and it just becomes mine. And it becomes something that changes my life and it's like, uh, it's like the new step. Like we want to like learn something and each step builds on top of each other. Um, so I was thinking about that, like how, I was thinking about Chris and just how ridiculous it is. And, and again, God started showing me things uh, that I've, I've really never seen before. So I want to talk about the parable of the sower. It's in Mark 3. If you have your Bibles, no one takes out the Bibles. Um, and, and let's read through it, and, and I feel like we can glean a lot from it and, and really get to a place where we can understand what it looks like to apply revelation. Um, So, lots of reading and dots at the end. Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow, and it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth, and immediately it sprang up, but it had no depth of earth. But when the sun came, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And some seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, um, and it yielded no crop. But the other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased, and produced some, uh, produced some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. And he said to them, Jesus, do you understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? And this is one of the cool, because he actually explains it. Like, he doesn't do this with all his parables. So, like, you listen when he explains. Uh, seriously. The sower sows the word. And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. And when they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in their hearts. These likewise are the ones that stone on stony ground, who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness. And they have no root in themselves, and so endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Now these are the, the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word and the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in, entering in, choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. But these are the ones uh, sown on good ground. Those who hear the word accept it and bear fruit. Some 30 fold, some 60 and some 100. 100. Um, 
So I, I used to, like, that's part of uh, Jesus' like, um, like good teachings that we, I, I've read many times since I was like 10 until, I don't know, 27. And I would read it and I would think, all right, which one am I? And I would like do the check, the box check and i go, all right, well. And I used to think the word is the word of salvation. And so I'd think, all right, did the truth of what Christ did, that he died on the cross for me and rose again, uh, and that's my, my ticket into heaven, is my trust in what he's done. If, if I believe that, then I'm the good ground. So dope. And I just move on. And I, and I literally, I, would, I got to the point now where I'd like read through, and this, the worst part is it shows up in multiple gospels, and so I would like see it coming, and I go, oh, I know how this ends. I'm pretty good ground. And then I would just, I would literally, I wouldn't even read it because I'm like, I got this. And I would skip to the, re- the end of the thing and I would just move on to the next one. And, uh, and I've be- come to believe, and I, one day God said like, well, what's the word? And, and the word is not just the word of salvation. It can be, um, it's not even just Bible verses. Like it's, it's literally every communique with God. It's every Bible verse, prophetic word, dream. I mean, anything that he spoke to you is a word from God. And the, the crazy thing is, um, when you think about it that way, suddenly it's one of those parables you can't escape because it's applicable to literally every interaction you have with God. And Jesus even says, if you do not understand this, then how will you understand all the parables? Like that, when you have the, the son of God, creator of the world, and he says something, he goes, if you don't get, get this, how are you going to get anything? You got to go like, well, do I get that? And, and, and I think it's key because it's like the key to not just revelation, but revelation like applied. Um, like every word introduced in your life is, is supposed to have an outcome. Every seed is designed to yield fruit. And, and I've got a super loose definition of seed uh, or fruit. It's just life change. Not just fruits of the spirit, but like literal change in your life. Um, I mean, I, I'm, I've been, and I, I was thinking about it this week, like of all, the, I was trying to ask God, like, well, what are revelations that I've had that have actually yielded fruit? And what are ones that like I've, I've heard and have done nothing in my life? And um, I was golfing with Coleman and he was kicking my butt. And, uh, and we were playing with these two old guys. And, uh, and one of the old guys was like the nicest old guy ever. He'd, he'd like tell me about his swing and like teach me stuff. And the other old guy would play, putt, cuss, and then putt again. Like he was just like <laughs> that like cranky old man who was just like, but he was, he was a cool guy, but he was just, he got that like old man putting vibe. And, um, <laughs> And so we like hung out with him and we talked to him just like the other guy. And like, I asked him like, you know, I asked him putting tips and they like, I mean, old guys like it when you just ask them anything. They just, oh, someone wants to talk to me. Yes. But um, we got to the end of it and, and um, one of Knopf's talks flashed through my mind. Like, the, you know, how he's been ta- teaching about healing and he talks about the fact that Um, one of the purposes of healing, like the primary purpose of healing, is to bring people to salvation. Like Jesus didn't just heal uh, 
everyone all the time just for no reason. Like, he, he came, like his entire life was purpose-driven. And this guy, I remember just thinking, like, this old guy had talked about how his, he was getting surgery for both his eyes, which is kind of scary. Like, that's nuts. And I, I drove away, and I remembered that, that, like, revelation. And God did, it wasn't like God said, go pray for him, you're going to heal him. Or, I just, I remembered that, that thought, that, that, that teaching that Noph had said. And, I, and it, it really meant a lot to me because I realized suddenly that, um, like, it's, it's been that, I don't know why, but that teaching's been producing in me, like, a, a hunger to see people heal because I actually want to see um, people come to the kingdom. And so I went back and prayed with a guy, and, uh, and I, you know, I, I prayed, and then I got in the car, and I sped off, and, uh, and, I, and I started, like, throughout the week, like, I, I think his name was Bernard, it's an old man name, and I just kept praying, with, I kept praying for him, and I was praying that, that he would be healed, because when we prayed for him, we said, in Jesus' name, and I said, like, man, all he needs is one healing, and that guy's entire life will change, and I'm not saying this to like toot my horn because for every time that God's told me to do something and I've not done it, like it's just ludicrous. But I do want to say that we get revelations every day and often they're like these sweet nuggets and truths that we get at Epic Life. But the the question is, what are we going to do with them? But on the other hand, there are a ton, I mean a ton of revelations in my life that have yielded literally zero fruit. Like I've gotten some sweet breakthrough and then two weeks later I look exactly the same and I'm dealing with the exact same lies. And, uh, and I just want to ask like why? Like why does it have to be? So I'm going to quickly recap uh, the parable of the sower because I think the, the four grounds kind of have something to do with it. Um, Right, there's the, the four types of people. Um, there's the ones who, where Satan comes immediately and takes away the words sown in their hearts. And I think the two key words there are immediately and hearts. It's as if, you know, you get some sweet revelation, some tidbit about what God thinks or who he's done, or you come to Epic Life and you are just downtrodden, sullen, having a terrible day, and then in worship you hear God say, I love you, and suddenly like, Everything is fine. There's like clarity, peace, joy, hope. And then you leave and it just, everything goes back to normal. And it's because as soon as you leave those doors, the warfare erupts. Like Satan's desire is, is not to eventually steal the truth of God from your life. It says actually, and Jesus says, Satan immediately comes and takes the word. And the crazy thing is it says, it doesn't say he comes and takes the word that was sown in their mind. It says he takes the word that was sown in their hearts. And this is where uh, Waterbury's talk on guarding the heart is so important. Because he, have you ever had Satan tug on your heart? Like, he just doesn't do that. And it's just not in his game. He, he, he only has the mind. And so his, his biggest fear is that, like, a, a truth of God would take root in your heart. Because he's got to work really hard to get those out. So, I mean, it's getting to the point now where it's actually ludicrously funny. But Manny and I get out of service, epic life, I feel good. I'm driving my little car, and, um, and I race everywhere. Like, I redline it everywhere we go. Yeah? Yeah. And it's getting to the point where every epic life, I get cut off on the way home. Like, decently cut off. Um, and it's like, and I get, I get annoyed, because, like, I, uh, I've got the, like, third world blood in my heart where I, like, will honk at people, because they need to know they're idiots. Like, so I leave... 
And I, so I leave church, and I'm like, yes, and I'm thinking about, and we're talking about what Nuff said, and we're talking about the revelations we had, and then I like get cut off, and then I like honk at them and tell them, like I'm telling Mandy why they're idiots, and, and I, it just totally derailed, and it's, it's not as insidious as Satan stealing uh, the revelation of Christ from my heart, but it's a little bit, but, and it's a good example of kind of, of how he does it. He just immediately uh, gets to work. So anyway, that's the first one, right? Those are the people who immediately step right into warfare. Um, and, and often the, the seed, the truth, the word gets like snatched and nothing ever happens. Uh, the second, they hear the word, receive it with gladness, but have no root in themselves. Tough times come and they give up. Um, there's a lot, I mean, seriously, each one of these is worthy of a, like a study in itself. But um, I think just the important thing there is it says they have no root in themselves. Um, if I seem, it seems like a lot of Christians, they want to have a good root in themselves. But going back to Bible, men's Bible study, which is amazing. Um, John 15, it talks about how Jesus is the vine, right? Well, you're supposed to be in Christ. Like, you're supposed to be built off of that vine. And if you're trying to have, like, a root in yourself, like, clearly when something, you're just going to wither up and fall off because you're, he is where you get the lifeblood. He's where you get the living water. He is where you get all of the just sustaining nutri- nutrients in the Christian walk. So I don't want to talk about it very much, but I would say that these are often people isolated um, who appreciate what Christ has done, but they will take it from here. Um, the third group are the thorns, right? And if I'm honest, this is the one that scares me um, because the, what is it? They're the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and the desires of other things enter in and choke out the word and it becomes unfruitful. And, and it's really easy to get choked when you're crazy blessed. Like I've, I've got a beautiful wife. My house has a door on the front of it and people don't come and go. Like it's, it's my house and I have a car that runs and it's very easy to like begin to like coast or even focus on those things. And so I can get a word, an amazing word from God. And then I go home and my wife is talking about something God related and we cuddle up at night and it's just nice. And then you wake up in the morning and you're in this, this like marriage cocoon and you don't even like remember what happened or uh, you see the, I see the next car and I'm like, oh, that's dope. I'm like, let's race him. And I don't race people. But, uh, you know, I can get all caught up in the world and just lose sight of the fact that uh, God's wanting to actively change me on a daily basis. Not just Thursday night, but Friday morning, Saturday morning. Every day he wants to meet with me and do something. And I, so, I mean, so the first one's the, those that get in, caught up in warfare. The second one of those often who are caught up in isolation. The third would be those who are just choked up by worldliness. And the fourth, right, those are the ones that are just right. Like, they, they've nailed it. And I, I don't really want to talk about the first three that much because, really, they're just a good heat check. Like, ask the Holy Spirit, like, which one of those have I been lately? And he'll go, this one. But then, just go, all right, well, I want to be good. I want to have, I want to be the, I want to have revelation that takes root in my life. Um, but I think the fourth group are those that hear, accept, and bear fruit. And everybody hears, but that word accept, I think, is really the key. Um, because it's not just uh, believe it's true, because that's very mental, um, right? You just go, yeah, that's a good word. Women. 
But then you don't, um, you don't ever see it like, you don't take it into yourself. And so um, I think though the, the fourth group, the group that actually sees fruit, are the ones that hear it and they accept it. They go, yes, that's a good word and that's a word that's apply, applicable to me. And this is, I'm gonna pray about this and I want this to be something that takes root. And they, they talk to God about it and the next day they go, well, like, I understand that's the case, but then how can I now make that part of my life? And what's standing in my way? Where are the patterns in my life that are inconsistent with the truth that I just heard? And they, they don't just, they respond to the truth. It's, it's, there's an implied action. It's a, like receiving and taking in. Side note, um, I thought of this and wrote it on the corner. Um, there are seasons to Revelation. Like there are sometimes you get like a ton, like one after another, after another, after another, and then suddenly there's like a dry season. You're like, you, you think, okay, like I've done something wrong and I need to press in. But in reality, God actually just wants to give you some time to apply truth, right? Like if it's day-to-day constant, you begin to just think it will always be there and you don't value it and you don't apply it and your life doesn't look any different. I literally, I think it's more important to have those times of hiddenness because you actually end up with uh, like a, a life that, I don't know, is different. So, um, if I was God, uh, I would plant where it would yield fruit. Like if you're thinking about yourself being a farmer, like if I knew like that's green, I would just plant there. And I would just completely, like you you guys are all very lucky that I'm not God because I would just be like hard and I would just start planting always to the right. But, um, and it's even true in discipling, right? You get together with somebody and you talk about stuff and you, you break through the like talking about weather and cars and you actually get to the like life-changing actual truths and you unearth some like, amazing stuff that's worth processing through and then you meet with them like three weeks later and there's literally no change you just go like oh like I just I wasted my time it's very I would rather then uh, redistribute my efforts right my my wife is the ultimate uh, green pasture like if I give her like the smallest amount of attention and then like it's the best thing ever so why would I waste my time um, huh yeah, with a disciple, sorry. Um, but I think... Translation there is, his wife is awesome. So if he gives her time, it's awesome. So why would he give you time if you're not going to do something with it? Waterbury. <laughs> we should have him preach. Um, but I think that actually this is kind of biblical, but not in kind of a God is unjust way. Um, it, and it's another parable, which I'm not going to read all of it, but it's sweet because I love how all the parables kind of actually say things. Like they, they, you can read them and they're not just these ethereal stories that you can read and think, feel good about. Um, when you think about the parable of the steward, like it says that God gave, basically God gave, or this, this man gave each man different uh, amounts of wealth. This guy got a million dollars, this guy got $500,000. This guy got $5,000. And he said, okay, go take care of it all. I'll return. Uh, you, in the meantime, invest and do well. The $10 million guy has $20 million when he gets back. $5 million guy has $7 million. And the $5,000 guy has $5,000. And, and, and basically, the, the guy who gave the money uh, rewards each one of them uh, according to what they've done, like how they've 
uh, handle the blessing they've been given. And he basically says, like, to the guy who had 5,000, he, he buried it and he said, you know, I know you're, a, you're kind of a jerk, so I didn't want to, like, disappoint you by losing your money, so I didn't do anything with it. And what ended up happening was God ended up, the guy, I want to say God, the guy ended up blessing the guy who had really um, produced fruit. And so, like, it's, again, back to Noth. You end up with this guy who's got revelation upon revelation upon revelation. And it's not an accident. It's because when he gets a revelation, he values it. He applies it. He teaches others about it. He enjoys it. He's, he, he soaks on it. And, and so those people are the kind of people that God absolutely, like, loves to pour out revelation on. And so... I just want to read one last verse, and it's short, but I think it really um, has something we can end on. Um, It's John 14, 21, and 23. And this is like, Jesus is one of Jesus' last words in John. He's sitting around with the disciples, and he's teaching, and it's dope because it's very like closed and quiet, and he's just, you just, you listen when Jesus is saying like his last words, kind of. Not, Not quite his last words, but he says, he who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loved me, loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. And Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come and make our home with him. And the key there is the word, has my commandments and keeps them, and he will keep my word. We all have a, we have a gracious father who is teaching us things. But the, the key is not just like getting a revelation, but actually getting it and keeping it, sitting on it, simmering on it, thinking about it. It's those that have it and keep it that end up with God, Jesus manifesting himself and making his home with. And I, I think like there are some scriptures, there are some things we do in life. We, we can pray for $5 million, and it might happen. But when you pray according to the word, when you say, God, I want both to have your word and to keep it, and you open your word, and you do what David did. Like he said, I wrote, he, uh, he was a guy who just meditated on the word like mad. And you, you value it like that, it, you end up with Jesus manifesting himself. So, um, I don't know, I guess as we, Head back into worship and just like a time with all these people who stand up here and pray for us, with us. Um, I want you to just think about a few things. You can, and these are things you can ask the Holy Spirit. So if you have a pen, if you have uh, a cell phone, write these down and just kind of uh, follow up with them later if even. Because, um, you know, Something I may have said may have hit home, but if you, if you go and kind of forget it, then you're, you know, what's the point? Um, what milk do I need? I mean, ask the Holy Spirit and just say, like, what, what is the milk for me? And, or what is the truth of Christ that I've been trying to skip past? I want to go straight to the solid food, the deep things I want to understand. But what is actually like the Holy Spirit saying is your milk, like that thing that's necessary to bring you to a place of like solidarity in Christ. Then ask him what types of, type of ground have I been in the past? Are there, and are there patterns I need to break? 
But I think most importantly, um, and this is a question that I've been asking myself kind of on a daily basis, and going forward, I'm going to keep asking, what are revelations recent that I've allowed to be choked out or stolen that you desire to establish fruit in my life? Like, what, what's a revelation that you gave me that I, I lost, I forgot about, I, that, that hasn't produced fruit? And the cool thing is that these are the questions and many others that the Holy Spirit has an answer. Like, some of, some of you, as you ask the Holy Spirit, these just shot right out. Like, I told you this. So, yeah, if you ask and listen, he will tell you.